College Basketball Insider. Some news and notes from around the world of college basketball. In-studio correspondent for WFAN and CBS Sports Radio. Attention please to John Rothstein. Please report to St. The Insider's Insider. Joining us now with his thoughts and to break it down, John Rothstein. It's College Hoops Today with John Rothstein. Let's put the women and children to bed and go looking for dinner. John Rothstein here on the College Hoops Today podcast. Later in the show, we'll be joined by Texas head coach Shaka Smart. want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast on iTunes. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season and beyond. We are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And also send me your questions on Twitter. I'll get to them later in this podcast. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John J-O-N. Today's episode of the College Hoops Today podcast being brought to you by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. They strive to make financial services work for everyone, not just the wealthy. Other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade, but Robinhood doesn't charge commission fees, trade stocks, and keeps all of your profits. You can learn how to invest as you build your portfolio with the easy-to-use Robinhood platform, discover new stocks, and track favorite companies with personalized news feed. Even get custom notifications for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help build your portfolio. Sign up at hoops.robinhood.com. That's hoops.robinhood.com. And it is litmus test right now, week in college basketball. So many big games all across the country, stretching from New York to Maui. But before we get into that and litmus test that will happen this week in college basketball, let's get into what we saw last week. And we start with one team and a program and a university that goes by a mantra, the team, the team, the team. Michigan came out of somewhat obscurity when you think about preseason talk, which focused on teams like like Duke, like Kentucky, like Gonzaga, like Tennessee and Virginia, and all of a sudden thrusted itself into the major points of every college basketball conversation that's going to stretch from the East Coast to the West Coast and including everything in between. Michigan dominated Villanova at Villanova, and we'll get to the Wildcats in a second. They also ripped through GW like a chainsaw through butter and beat a very good Providence team and held the Friars to 47 points in the victory. Now, this is the amazing thing for me about Michigan. John Beeline throughout his career at West Virginia and the early days of Michigan was dubbed as an offensive guru. Now, he is being dubbed as a defensive stalwart. Part of that is the job that assistant coach Luke Yaklich is doing with the defense, but part of it is Beeline continuing to evolve, continuing to grow, and you look at this Michigan team right now. The key components of this team, with the exception of freshman forward Iggy Brazdikis, were all a part of that squad that last year went to the national title game and took Villanova to the wire. But to me, this team is obviously better than it was a year ago. And one of the main reasons why is the evolution of Xavier Simpson, the point guard. In Michigan's last three games, 22 assists to five turnovers, the epitome of a glue guy, Charles Matthews has 
has taken a step, and Isaiah Livers giving them a different dimension as a stretch five man. Now, what about Villanova, who I mentioned right now? The Wildcats lost the game to Michigan in the Gavitt games earlier last week. They also were beaten by Furman in overtime on the main line on Saturday night. And I will say this. I am somewhat surprised that Villanova is 2-2, two and two, but I am not shocked, and this is why. Regardless of a culture and a program, regardless of having a Hall of Fame coach like Jay Wright, who's won two national championships and is a lock for the Hall of Fame, you, great coaches are defined by great players. And for the first time, really, in this five- to six-year run for Villanova, Villanova was on the wrong end of the NBA draft process when both Dante DiVincenzo and Omari Spellman opted to go early for the NBA. And I think the thing you need to think about when you're looking at Villanova, they're getting nothing out of freshman point guard Javon Quinterly, who did not log a minute in the loss to Furman. They're also not getting the same type of production that they expected necessarily from Eric Paschal, who after the game against Furman was just 3 of 17 from 3 on the year. This is what you need to understand. Eric Paschal, Phil Booth, the two guys right now who are the alpha dogs for Villanova, who are the straws that have to stir the drink for Jay Wright, they were always secondary options behind DiVincenzo, behind Brunson, behind Mikhail Bridges, and now for the first time, they're being asked to carry a team. Villanova is a team right now, to me, that looks like a double-digit loss team and one that's going to have to scratch and claw again to be standing in a good spot when the Big East kicks off in late December. Now, why do I say that? They're going to Orlando to play in the Advocare Tournament this week. They also, starting on December 1st, every game they will play will be either against a Big Five opponent or a high major. One game to watch also during that stretch, a road game in the start of a home-and-home series with Kansas. And it would not be obviously a podcast if we didn't touch on Kentucky. But I have to say this. I look at Kentucky's schedule, and I don't think Kentucky is going to be threatened to lose until December 22nd against North Carolina in the CBS Sports Classic. But I'll say this. It's never a good sign when you're giving up 82 points at home, especially if the opponent is VMI, which it was on Sunday night at Rupp Arena. To me, there's a lot of things that need to be amended in Lexington, especially defensively. John Calipari's elite teams, whether it was at UMass, Memphis, or Kentucky, were always teams that got into the opponent defensively on the perimeter. That's not this Kentucky team as of yet. And again, I don't expect them to lose. I don't necessarily expect them to be tested when you look at the stretch they have over the next four weeks. They're going to play Seton Hall at Madison Square Garden. They're going to play Utah as well at Rupp Arena. But those teams, to me, do not have what it takes to beat Kentucky in a game. But here's one thing I want to share, and I had an assistant coach told me this a couple of years ago, and I've taken it to heart. You can't really be in a scenario, for all intents and purposes, where you are evaluating teams based on what they do against meager competition because it's easier to pad the stats. You find out about teams, okay, by what they do against the best of the best or against comparable teams. We'll find out again how good Kentucky is on December 22nd against North Carolina in the CBS Sports Classic. Now another team that's going to see North Carolina coming up soon is Texas later this week in Las Vegas. And the head coach of the Longhorn, Shaka Smart, joins the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein coming up next. (laughs) 
Texas is 4-0 after four games. They will play North Carolina on Thursday night in Las Vegas. And the head coach of the Longhorns is Shaka Smart. And he joins the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein right now. And Shaka, your assessment of your team after the first four games. I think our team's getting better. Our guys are really working hard to do the things we're asking them to do. Obviously, have a long way to go. Really happy with our effort on the defensive end and the way that our guys have bought into the defensive game plan in each of our games. Offensively, we're making progress. We've had a couple games where we've really struggled to shoot the ball, uh, but you know our guys have made some plays when we really needed them, uh, and we've had some stretches of four, six, eight minutes where we really scored the ball well. We just have to extend those stretches for longer periods of the game. Now, a lot of teams, you know, pad stats and, you know, obviously get confidence from playing nobody early. Your team had a very, very hard game against Arkansas at a neutral site, and you came away with a very close victory. What did getting that win teach you about your team? Well, it's great early in the year to play against a team that, you know, physically looks like you. Because to your point, sometimes when you play teams from mid and low major leagues, um, that you know, they could be very good teams, but they, they don't physically have the ability to, to stand up in terms of rebounding or some of the physicality, some of the athleticism. So when we played Arkansas and played against a guy like Daniel Gafford, you see that early, literally in the first week of the season. And it was good for us. We certainly you know, ex- exposed some things uh, that we need to get better at. Um, it was a game that was you know, back and forth. We had the lead, then they took the lead. Uh, we were fortunate to force overtime and win in overtime. But I think anytime you can be in those types of games early in the year, it's a terrific learning experience. You mentioned some of your concerns about shooting the basketball. It's been a consistent theme during your time at Texas. For Texas to become not even a great but a good shooting team, which pieces do you think are most important in that area of a game plan moving forward? Well, I think, John, it's always about hunting to get great shots uh, on the offensive end uh, because that's something that's under your control as a basketball team. And then from there, you know, you want good players to step up and make those shots. And as we all know, not everyone's created equally in that regard. You know, you want some guys that, um, you know, have experience and have, have put the time in on their games. Uh, it's so early in the year. Uh, I'm excited to see, you know, after several more games, uh, once our guys kind of settle into roles and, and you know, how, how everything's going with, with the early part of the season, you know, who can step forward and make some shots for us. Texas head coach Shaka Smart joined the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Longhorns 4-0 will play, will play North Carolina Thursday night in Las Vegas. You are now in your fourth year as head coach of Texas. What's the biggest difference in yourself now as a coach versus when you were coaching at VCU? Well, I just going. I think John going through different experiences and, and learning what can be effective with different groups of guys. Every team is so different. Uh, every school, obviously, is so different. Uh, but for us, you know, we are excited about this year's team in that we, we have finally a, a good group of uh, guys that have been around at least for one year, uh, some for more than that, that have a level of experience. And then some young guys that, that we feel like are hungry and 
about the right things and, and can contribute to our team. So, um, you know, the biggest thing I've learned is you need that. You need, at this level, you certainly need impact newcomers, but you really, really need uh, returning guys that have an understanding of your league and have an understanding of what goes into winning. Well, you mentioned returning guys, and you've recruited very, very well at Texas, and you've had in back-to-back years a one-and-done caliber big man, first in Jared Allen and now in Mo Bamba. Now that you've gone through that, for you, what's a better way to build a program at this level, to have one-and-done type talents or have program guys that stay in the system for multiple years? Yeah, John, I think that's a situational decision based on the program you're in. I don't think there's any blanket answer to that. So for Texas, certainly to me, the key is to have a foundation of guys in your program that are going to be a a core group over time. And then to add to that with guys that can be impact young kids, impact freshmen, you know, certainly anytime you can bring in a Mo or a Jarrett, you do so, but those guys are going to be much, much better and much, much more effective for your team if they have some veterans around them that can help lead the way. The challenge that both of those guys had for us in the last couple of years is they were by far our best players. Uh, and the, the, the thing that I'm excited about with this year's team is our best players are guys that have been around for at least one year. And obviously, sophomores are still young, but in today's day and age, uh, that's a world of difference between a sophomore and a freshman. Well, certain freshmen are obviously freshmen, and certain freshmen are exceptions to the rule. Texas had one a little over uh, 10 years ago in Kevin Durant. What is the Shaka Smart-Kevin Durant relationship like? He's been great. He's a great ambassador of our program. He's always... uh, you know, looking after our guys from the standpoint of, you know, how are they doing and and checking in on them. Uh, you know, he's someone that is very, very giving of his time. Uh, he, he's a guy that, you know, he's, he's fun to stay in contact with and fun to follow. He takes a lot of pride in Texas and in the basketball program here. And then when he comes back, uh, it, it, I think one of the things he really enjoys is just being around our guys, whether it's on the court or sitting with them in the locker room and just being one of the guys for a time and being able to, for a short time, get away from you know all, all the outside noise and, and, and attention and just being you know back in college for a little while. But he's he's terrific and. You know, one thing that I really appreciate about him is, you know, from day one, he's been extremely supportive. Texas head coach Shaka Smart joined the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Four and all Longhorns will face North Carolina Thursday night in Las Vegas. You know, it's interesting when you look at the dynamics of the two head coaching jobs that you've occupied in college basketball. You built VCU into a point where it was the flagship program in the Atlantic 10, and now you're coaching at Texas in a league that's as balanced as any in college basketball. What's harder, being the team that everybody wants to beat like when you were at VCU or dealing with a league in the Big 12 where every game feels like it's a 50-50 game? That's a great question, John. I think every league is hard, you know, for for whatever team is in that league. I don't think you'll find a coach that's going to say, "Hey, our league is easy." Um, the Big Twelve obviously is unique in that one. We play a double round robin, uh, so you're not escaping going anywhere in our league, and, and and everyone comes to you. And then two, just the fact that 
there, there's really not much of a, a bottom of the league. Uh, over the last three years, every team in our league has been to the NCAA tournament at least once. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those leagues where everyone can jump up and have a phenomenal year based on recruiting, based on retention, and, you know, other factors. But uh, I think at VCU, you know, certainly we're fortunate to have gotten to the point where, uh, you know, teams really were motivated to beat us. I don't think that's any different here at Texas uh, just because of the, the power of the brand and, you know, aspects like KD. Um, but, you know, our goal is just to continue getting better. Uh, we felt like we take a, took a good step last year, and this year with the returning guys we have and the new guys we have coming in, we want to just grow our culture and, and grow our ability to play well in close games uh, because in the Big 12 you're going to be in a lot of those. Well, you know, you mentioned obviously you want to be the being you want to be the best team you can be. Your first year, you inherited a team from Rick Barnes that was a veteran-laden team, but it had the feeling of a complete basketball team from top to bottom. After watching practice in Austin in the preseason, you know, spending a day with your program, I kind of had the same feeling about this team. How do you think the chemical makeup of this Texas team compares to the first one you coached when you took the post? That's a great question, John. It's interesting. I've been watching that team just the last couple of days because we played North Carolina that year. So uh, this is the first time in quite a while I've I've looked back at games from that season, and you know we were really really deep. We had great size. Uh, we had Isaiah Taylor, who was just a dynamic guard. Uh, but it was our first year uh, with with the program, so there was some adjustment factors there. And then we we dealt with a, a tough injury midway through that season to Cam Ridley, who we loved. Uh, I think this year's team uh, obviously doesn't have quite the same level of experience. We had five seniors on that team and three or four juniors, uh, but we do have a, a good balance of of bigs and guards that complement each other. We do have right now a nine-man rotation that we feel really good about. So knock on wood, hopefully we can stay healthy. Um, and we just have to keep getting better. Uh, we've got guys like Jackson Hayes and Courtney Ramey and Kamaka Hepa who are freshmen that are literally four games into their careers. And if we can continue to move those guys forward along with everyone else in our program, I think we have a chance actually this year to be better at the end of the year um, than we were with that team our first year. Uh, but that's not a given. You, ha- you have to make it through the twists and turns of the season. You- you've got to continue to improve, and guys have to like each other. So um, that's the direction that we're working to move in. Well, you know, one of the guys you mentioned there of your freshman class was Courtney Ramey, and he's somebody that I really took note of when I was at your practice because when you were at VCU, whether it was at practice or at a game, you almost never felt comfortable whether you were in a media seat or you were just standing in a hallway because of the intensity that was always around the environment. And I think for the first time since you've been at Texas at the guard spot, Courtney Ramey to me feels like a player, and I'm not going to compare him to Briante Weber, but you could tell that this guy when he plays defense was willing to be a dog and he would bite somebody if he meant he was going to get the ball. How much is Courtney Ramey and the edge he potentially brings giving you some of that mantra that you had when you were the head coach at VCU? There's definitely some similarities there between him and Briante. And, you know, to your point, 
that feeling or, or that way of being as a basketball program is always derived from the personnel that you have. And so you can do whatever you want as a coach, but you have to have guys that, that, that bring that to the table when they come to the court. Uh, Courtney does that. Uh, he's just a freshman. One of the things we're trying to emphasize with him is don't lose that. You know, don't don't get away from who you are, and let's continue to refine different aspects of your game, help you get better reading pick and rolls and, and making certain decisions on the floor. But as it relates to your mentality, your aggressiveness, your competitive spirit, uh, we only want to enhance that and grow that. Sometimes those things can be stifled uh, when you get to college, and that's the last thing we want to do because he certainly – helps our team in that way you know you talked a lot about uh, different things in this interview and you know you talked about you know having more experience and when you have more experience you're better in certain situations because you have more life experience that helps you in those areas but you know what you've had to deal with in the past year is something that you know you couldn't prepare yourself for and that's the situation with Andrew Jones and you know he obviously had to step aside last year you know with leukemia and you know it's great to see him back with your team now I'm just curious you know you put so much pressure on yourself in the coaching business and how much does just going through a situation like that reiterate and show you the big picture that it's only wins and losses? It does. It certainly provides a level of perspective, and especially as as you watch Andrew just continue to do a, a phenomenal job navigating uh, the challenges of coming back and and working through continuing to recover. Um, you know, there was a, a terrible news last week um, that the young man from Memphis passed away of leukemia, and that that really hit us hard because uh, he was actually diagnosed after Andrew, and he and Andrew had built a relationship uh, as they were both, you know, dealing with treatment and, and the effects of of leukemia. Um, so just to have Andrew here and smiling and moving forward in, in school and in basketball um, and and doing really well is something that I'll never take for granted. And I, and I always speak for everyone in our program. Uh, and you mentioned wins and losses. I mean, we want to win really, really bad, just like anybody else uh, in, in this line of work. Uh, but certainly it gives you a sense of perspective and appreciation just for life and the things that come along with it. Uh, when you watch someone going through what Andrew went through. Well, you move forward, obviously, with the players that you have, and you're in a situation right now where you play in a tournament later this week in Las Vegas, which feels like a Final Four-type setting because there's Texas, North Carolina, Michigan State, and UCLA. Regardless of wins and losses, what do you think is the biggest thing you're going to find out about your team that you don't know now? We are going to learn a lot about our team, John. I think for us, it's it's really going to test the identity that we've been working to build and see where we are with that. I I can guarantee you we're far from a finished product, uh, but I I would say probably the coaches from the other teams would say the same thing. So it's just a terrific late November litmus test of where we are on the offensive end, on the defensive end, uh, how well we're able to stand up to two really, really good teams that that present challenges for you. Uh, And and I think our guys' ability to respond to adversity within a game 
and see if they can continue to fight and stay together and really, really play with the level of energy and togetherness that it's going to take to win those games. I know you don't want to put anything on one player, but when you think about the X factors for this Texas team to be in a situation where you want to be you know, playing your best basketball in March, who do you think needs to emerge and be a consistent piece for that to happen late February and obviously into the most important month of the year? I'll give you two, John. I would say Kerwin Roach and Matt Coleman, just because if you look at our league, the teams that have had great team success have been led by terrific guards and guards that have just made big-time plays on the offensive end and the defensive end to win their team's games. And whether it's Javon Carter, Devontae Graham, Frank Mason the year before, Keenan Evans was such a great leader at Texas Tech. Uh, Those guys literally willed their teams to big games uh, time after time after time in Big 12 play. So if I had to point to a couple guys that are going to help us take the next step and move forward uh, towards – uh, where we want to be, which is at or near the top of the Big 12 standings. Uh, those guys are going to have to lead the way. Well, the door is open, Shaka. Thank you for your time. Happy Thanksgiving. Safe travels to Vegas. And looking forward to watching your team Thursday and Friday against high-level competition. Looking forward to staying in touch along the way. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on, John. We'd like to thank Texas head coach Shaka Smart for joining the College Hoops Day podcast with John Rothstein. We want to remind you that today's episode of the College Hoops Day podcast being brought to you by Geico. Did you know there is a quick way you could save money? Switch to Geico. All it takes is 15 minutes to find out if you could save 15% or more on car insurance. And Geico offers coverage for more than just car insurance. Got a motorcycle? Geico's got you covered. Got an RV? Covered. Got a boat? Covered. How about homeowners or renters insurance? You bet Geico's got you covered. Go to Geico.com today and see how much you could save. That's Geico. Also want to remind you to subscribe to the College Hoops Today podcast on iTunes. We want to be your Bible for the college basketball season and beyond. We are the only college basketball podcast coming to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. Also want to remind you to check out the College Hoops Today fan page on Facebook. Give us a like. Give us a review. Let us know what you think of the product we're bringing to you 52 weeks out of the calendar year. And time now for our social media portion of the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. Send me your questions on Twitter. I'm at John Rothstein. That's John J. And our first question right now comes from Matt Cole, and it's John. Given the disastrous start for the Atlantic 10, which schools still have a legit chance of getting an NCAA tournament at large bid? Look, it is very, very early for the Atlantic 10. It's early for every team in the season. But I will say this. You need to be in a situation right now if you're the top teams in the A-10. St. Joe's, St. Louis, Davidson, Rhode Island. You've got to be carrying the flag for the entire league when you get these non-conference opportunities. St. Joe's, again, Beat Wake Forest in Myrtle Beach. They lose games to West Virginia and UCF. They're still going to play Villanova. They're still going to play Temple. They're still going to be in a situation where they're going to play Loyola Chicago at the Palestra. Those opportunities are huge for the whole league. St. Louis has a neutral site game against Florida State. They're going to play Houston. They're going to play Butler. These are all 
games where there's an opportunity to move the needle. But right now, the Atlantic 10, which four and a half years ago had six teams in the NCAA tournament looking like a shell of itself. Our next question right now is going to come from Jersey J, and it says, John, does Michigan have enough depth to be a top five team in the nation? I voted Michigan seventh in this week's AP poll. And I think when you look at Michigan, you're looking at a team that now belongs in the conversation with the best teams in the country. And we talked about it a little bit at the start of the show, but you have a nucleus back of players who were a part of the team that went to the national title game. And you've got a freshman in Iggy Brazdikas who gives them a completely different dynamic. He's big. He's thick. He's a lefty. He's great in transition. He can shoot the basketball. He is a perfect, perfect piece for John Beeline's system. And now our final question for this week's social media portion it's from Jace Bradley, and it's John. If Arkansas continue gets better, can you see them slipping by Alabama and Vandy and getting that five or six seed in the SEC? You know, I got to tell you, I'm very impressed with Arkansas out of the gate. Played Texas tough early, had a big win, obviously, against Indiana on Sunday at Bud Walton Arena. And when you look at Arkansas right now under Mike Anderson, you have these things that are constants and known commodities. You're going to have one of the best home court advantages in college basketball, and every time the the Razorbacks play, they're going to have arguably the best player on the floor in Daniel Gafford, who was sensational on Sunday against Indiana. Arkansas, to me, the early surprise in the SEC. Now, let's get to some nuggets. Five good nuggets. Five. Five. Six. No, five. But you were close. Nugget number one, Vic's rise. LeGerald Vic in his last two games for Kansas is averaging 32.5 points and six rebounds. He's 23 of 32 from the field and 15 of 20 from three-point range. That's 75%. Remember, this guy was inches away from leaving school. Could have been in the G League right now or maybe worse. Nugget number two, a coach's son. The big difference in Iowa right now, other than an extra year of experience for the nucleus, Connor McCaffrey, the coach's son, averaging 11 points a game and three assists per game after the big weekend at Madison Square Garden. This gives Iowa another ball handler next to Jordan Bohannon. Nugget number three, the new Big East. How do you know it's a different type of year in the Big East? In the Gavit games last week, two prime moments for the conference came from St. John's and DePaul. The door is open for off-the-radar teams in the Big East to make a jump. Nugget number four, remember the Crimson. Harvard is playing right now without its two best players, Bryce Aiken and Seth Towns, two guys who could play in any conference in America. Remember, Harvard took Rhode Island to the wire last week at the Ryan Center before Fats Russell made a game-winning three in the final seconds. They won a game at UMass. This week, Harvard's going to travel to San Francisco and St. Mary's, two very good West Coast Conference teams. If Tommy Amaker gets this group healthy, they're a team, okay, that could be a very dangerous squad in March and beyond. Nugget number five, missing the D. Syracuse definitely misses Frank Howard at point guard. But to me, the problems for the Orange run much deeper than that. Where's the elite defense that we saw last year in the NCAA tournament. In the two games last week at the 2K Empire Classic at Madison Square Garden, the Orange giving up an average of 81.5 points per game. Now, before we get to more things, we got to get to our games to watch brought to you by Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Games to watch. Games to watch. 
It's litmus test week in college basketball, so we are going to give you an extra game to watch. Tuesday, you got to lock into the Maui Invitational Semis, regardless of who's in the game. Then I think you look at Wednesday, a big night at the Barclays Center in the preseason NIT Semis, which feels more like a Sweet 16 regional than anything else. Kansas against Marquette, Louisville against Tennessee. And then Thursday in Las Vegas, a great two-day tournament. Texas against North Carolina and UCLA against Michigan State. Speaking of Texas, we'd like to thank Texas head coach Shaka Smart for joining the college Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This was the College Hoops Today podcast with John Rothstein.